We're back! We're back! And so is election hell. And living through it. It's a distraction. I'm through. That's Roth. I Roth, how you doing? Ah, hi, I'm, I'm doing okay, man. I, I don't think I've ever felt better or <laughs> uh, more complete as a human than I do right now. For the sake of transparency, we're recording this the morning after the uh, after election night, which wasn't really an election night at all. We were warned again and again that this would be a process. Uh not unlike recovering from like a brain hemorrhage, as I had to do. <laughs> uh, ended up being a process, but I. Um, well, first of all, I want to ask how did you, how are you doing right now? Roy? I'm uh, poorly right now. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not uh, as miserable as I have been, but I slept like absolute shit, and like you know, I finally managed to get myself down to sleep at you know a late but reasonable hour and then just woke up exactly three hours later uh like with steve kornacki in my brain uh running down scenarios so not at my sharpest but it'll be good there's going to be some real uh free jazz verbiage for me in this podcast and i think that's something that you and the listeners can both look forward to tell you what john gruden said that's a pretty good sleeping regimen if i were you <laughs> yeah i was on the the john harbaugh plan i slept in a cot wearing like coaching pants <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing well. I I was I've been I went up down and then up again. So all going into the election, I was actually feeling optimistic, which is just a breathtakingly stupid thing to feel. Yeah, right? man, I was too. That was the hard part. I let I was, myself think this shit would be over in time, you know, for me to like enjoy a nice drink and go to bed at a reasonable hour. Yeah, like I read, you know, like I read a uh, a good Substack um from a guy named Kendall who was like who's like, Biden's winning. Like, you, everyone's all spooked out by what happened in 2016, so they're not going to say it, but I'll say it. He's going to win. And, you know, you'll know probably around bedtime or something like that. And I was like, that's bitching. I'm excited for that yeah. to happen. And so I was like, I like yesterday, like, I couldn't concentrate on work too much because the other thing was that a lot of what I was going to write was going to be dependent on what happened or did not happen yeah. on Tuesday night. So I, I I took a nap, so I was very happy about that. I was like, oh, yes. The one thing I needed to do on election day was nap because I was like, oh, it's going to be a long night. So I get, I start watching with the kids. And I'm sorry, I'm going to talk a little too long here. But I start watching with the kids around like eight or so. Like I played everybody's golf before that, like to like just sort of like waste time. Because I, like this is the one night every four years I actually give cable news my time. No other time will I ever pay attention oh, yeah. to it again. I, I hope not to watch it again for four years at the yeah. very least. No, I'll never, ever fucking do it again. So I uh, so I put it on with the kids and like the usual like depressing thing where it's like, well, Trump won Indiana. Like it's always it's always the first news yeah. of the night where it's like, well, Indiana sucks. Just like calling reactionary states as soon as the polls close. Yeah. Like, I don't even, we don't know what happened in Louisiana, but like I think we know what happened in Louisiana, everybody. Yeah, they did that art with Arkansas at like eight or nine thirty. They were like, Arkansas is closed too early to call. And then two minutes later, they were like, no precincts have reported. Arkansas is for Trump. Yeah. <laughs> so uh so like I you know, like I see that and I'm like, that's all right. I don't really give a shit. And then there's like there's nice numbers coming in from Texas and from Carolina for Biden. I'm like, hmm. I'm like, that's promising. Yeah, and that was my hope, too, was that, like, there'd be... I mean, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but, like, what I wanted was not just to go to bed at a reasonable hour, because, like, I'm really good at staying up late for dumb reasons anyway. Right. Like, I, I would have found something else. <laughs> like, I would have watched, like, the KBO game somehow. But the 
what I wanted was a fucking repudiation of the, you know, last four years. And like, it seemed like for a while, like maybe that was going to happen. And then, uh, yeah, obviously watching like that feeling dwindling away over the course of the night left me in a, in a bad place by the end of it. Yeah, because all the time I'm watching like Kornacki, like going through, like they go through every county. It's like watching a really, really long weather forecast. Like, yeah. They're like, they're like <laughs> over here in Bucksboro County or whatever the fuck. Well, in 2016, Hillary Clinton got 67% and Joe Biden's got 67.5%. So that's promising. And like everything was the fucking same. And I'm like, I'm sitting there like, how can this all be the same shit as four years ago when the four years have happened? Like, yeah. Like, like after these four years, like yeah, the after idea, these four years, it's, it's one thing to hear like terms about like inelasticity and like all these like sort of political science terms that then get just like mouthed by Vox guys, so they right. sound and but like the idea of what that would actually mean in point of fact after like four years of just like the president fucking losing his mind and like crying about Bette Midler on Twitter every night <laughs> and like 240,000 people dying of a disease that he never tried to manage. Yeah. Like, that is inelastic. Like the idea of that being like, well, I don't, none of that exactly changes my mind. Yeah. That drove me nuts. And then, you know, the fact that they're covering it and like Steve Kornacki and like John King or whatever, they're doing their best. And they're like, here's this, here's that. And, you know, they're being very clinical about it. But at the same time, it's just like, holy fuck, these shitty people are still doing the same shit, voting for the same shitty people. Why are they so fucking stupid and intractable? And that's what they should be saying on the air, but they don't because they're professional and they're too professional. So I'm where they need like an alternate channel, like during the... uh like during the World Series, like a couple of years ago, where they'd have like the Nerd Channel, where it would just be like you know <laughs> yeah. bloggers and podcasters talking. Like they should, there should just be one where it's you in a bathrobe, fucking gnashing your teeth. Yeah, yeah. So like I'm still feeling all right, and then like Ohio kind of looks okay, and then like maybe there's an avenue in Florida, but like you start doing that thing where you start eye banging like all the different counties, and you're like, oh well, the votes are in in the in the in all the cities for Biden. So that means that like everything else is cow country. They're all going to vote for Trump because they suck. So I have to like, I have to hope that it was like 2016 where I was like, well, there's a lot of people in the city and that's going to be more than the people in the hinterlands. But I was totally wrong. There's a lot of people living out in the middle of fucking nowhere. And I, I was like, I couldn't believe so many of these interesting. A lot of people voted in this election. Like this is like a huge turnout more than uh, in 120 years. And that I was like, I was like, okay, well, then Biden's gotten in the bag. If everyone's rushing to vote, they're all vush, rushing to vote out Trump, which was untrue. Yeah. Although I will say that this is like the one of the things that I can feel good about from this, like beyond the, the outcome, you know, looking like it's like Biden is going to, you know, win a bunch of these states that are doing the, the late ballots, is that. I do feel like more people voting is broadly speaking good. Yes. And if Republicans think that it is not universally against them, which it seems clear was the reason that they tried so hard to to stop voting, then yes. like maybe they back down from that. I mean, I don't think <laughs> No, they, no. I mean like yeah. the whole idea of that, you know, political enterprise is like less for you, more for me. And like if that comes down to like, you know, whatever constitutionally like individual enumerated rights then like obviously yeah they, they'll still fight it it's a it's an odd feedback loop because they the medium treats the republicans like a like a legitimate political party 
And thanks to that, they are treated widely as a legitimate political party and are given legitimate political power, even though they fucking suck. Yeah. And well, they're they sh- treated as the legitimate political party. That they're yeah. basically like, and honestly, the Democrats fucking treat them like that too. Yep. And that's a big problem, you know, just in terms of like actually trying to govern. But it's all like they set the pace. And then it's either like Dem- Democrats are trying to like bargain for like, you know, 22% fewer family separations by 2023 right? or they're like, you know, whatever, trying to like fix all the shit that the Republicans broke while the Republicans are like, look at that. He's playing with that broken thing. What an idiot. Yeah. The the thing that drives me nuts and we've, we've gone off about it for four years now is just sort of treating them as sort of evenly matched sides when one really ought to be treated as garbage, like by supposedly objective media, the objective media should say, Oh, this is the death party, and they suck, and you should never vote for them. Yeah, because that's just factual. But they're never going to do that, and so we're we're stuck in this. So anyway, so it was like ten or ten thirty last night. My kids were still up. They were making a total racket because they were up. My kids are up late. They oddly get louder instead of more tired because they're tired. It doesn't make any yeah. sense from a physiological standpoint. It's not like you and me being in an airport at three a.m. And making no noise whatsoever because we just want to sit there and die. Yeah. No, this is, I think that's, uh, that's the, the first few, you know, dozen times you stay up later than you should. It's basically a party no matter what's happening. Even if it's just like, yep. you're watching your trembling, anxious dad sit through like a CNN commercial break. They're still just like, fucking A, man. It's New Year's Eve. Yeah. So I'm getting quietly anxious. They're like, they're bored. They think the telecast is boring as kids do. And they start making like fat fart noises as loud as I can. And I should think fart noises are funny because I, and I'm with my kids. I wasn't with my kids in 2016. I was alone in a hotel room drunk, which was utterly fucking depressing. I don't, that doesn't sound that, or what part of it was bad. (laughs) (laughs) So I I know you've told that story before and it never gets easier to listen to. Yeah. So I, I, I was happy. I was with my family and yet they were driving me nuts. So like at 10 o'clock, like they were making too much noise and I, I scream, I go, stop. And my wife goes, nice going. Nice going. And I was like, <laughs> sorry. And I send them up to bed. And I send myself to bed. Because I'm just like, I'm getting all these 2016 vibes from it. Like, it felt like a rerun of 2016, where like everything felt sort of promising and then it slowly eroded and then gave way to horror. And so I was like, because I stayed up till like 3 or 4 a.m. on election night 2016. I was like, I'm not going to do that to myself again. And also, like, it'll be miserable. But not only that, like, I will. I will essentially be psyching myself out because everything, since everything will feel like 2016, I will assume it's 2016 all over again, even though the circumstances are different this time, even though the, even though the results barely, barely show that. Yeah. I, I, to me, like I was aware at the time that it felt like more like 2018 than 2016, which was one of those things where like it started out like you were hoping for one outcome. And then we did eventually get something very like that outcome. It just took longer. It took several days and it wasn't a hundred percent what you want. And, uh, you know, the Democrats obviously gave a lot of it back in the house last night, uh, too, but there's knowing that and feeling it were two different things for me. Yeah. And so like the, the sense that like, I, it was clear that this was not 2016 where it was like, by the time we were done eating dinner, in 2016, it was clear that that things were fucked and that it was going to go way sideways. And in this case, like, that was not clear to me. It just felt really bad. Yeah, it felt bad. And then I, I think it was Redford in the Slack said, this. I got a bad feeling about this. And I was like, 
And that made me feel bad. And I was like sort of subconsciously mad at Patrick for saying he felt bad. So I would feel bad. So I, even though he had nothing, he was just saying what was on his mind. So yeah. I was like, so I was like, this is no good. I'm just like, I'm working myself up in knots over something I have literally no control over. So I'm going to bed. And then I tried to fall asleep. I couldn't fall asleep. And at 11.30, I snuck back down to make sure my daughter was awake, but really just to turn on the TV one last time. And on the TV, they said, uh, they said, well, it's down to these four states, and Biden's doing pretty well in these states. And I was like, okay, I feel better. Now I'm going to bed, because this is probably as good as I'm going to be able to feel during the course of the night. And I, I fell the fuck asleep. So that's- And you slept through, like you were, it was normal? Yes. Yeah. I, I, saw, I mean, I got to pee like I always do, like once or twice. Well, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, well, yeah, I no. went to a toilet, and I took my dick <laughs> Terrific. Wow, this sounds... This is a real adventure. The yeah, I wish that I had gone to bed earlier than I did, obviously. But it was like I think that part of it was just that I I crammed too much shit into my brain over the course of the evening, and so when I I woke up, it was basically like I used to have a lot of you know anxiety related issues like this, where basically like I would dream about being online. You know, like, oh, that's bad. And this wasn't quite that. This was like, I think maybe it's just that I have no tolerance for cable news now that like I haven't not like I ever really watched a lot of it, but like I I hadn't watched it in so long that like, you know, when I woke up, it was just like so vivid, like, you know, fucking maps and nerds and like people sitting at a long table being like, that's really interesting. Like that was like the stuff that was in my mind that dragged me out of like a like pretty hard earned sleep. Honestly. Yeah, because TV people are sociopaths, and they're the least qualified people to sort of guide you through what is a extremely human event uh, that's happening. You know, so when they have, you know, they have Rachel Maddow on, who's like respectable but annoyingly so, and then she has Claire McCaskill on, who sucks. Yeah, and so like I gotta like hear all this news filtered through through those people who really are going to be fine no matter who wins. Right. The only thing I want to hear fucking Claire McCaskill talk about on television regarding politics is the precise feeling that you have when you uh, run a campaign based on nothing and then get your ass kicked. Yeah. Like, I think she's probably got some really valuable insights on that, and I would love to know more about it, but I don't need to, like, her unique understanding of what, of, like, the same shit that she's seeing on a TV screen that everybody else is. Yeah, and then like the the Senate was going sideways and fucking Mitch won again because Kentucky is just a piece of shit state I, that I'll never listen, stop I, I like Kentucky, man. I have warm feelings for it. Like, I have friends there. I don't know that you can fully, like... I, I mean, it's hard. They They do keep electing Mitch McConnell, but it's like... I think there's other forces there that I would I would encourage you to pump the brakes on the Kentucky stuff at the very least. No, no, I uh, I I I had to come correct because I tweeted ages ago, like a couple, well, not ages ago, a couple weeks ago. Everything feels like ages. Yeah, ago. right. I was going to say either in 2017 or like um, early October. And I was like, my my only take, you know, right now to give you is that the people of Kentucky fucked us, and I hate them, and, and fuck you, voters of Kentucky. And then Charles Booker who lost the primary to Amy McGrath among the Democrats, uh, quote tweeted and said, you know, you know, we've been trying to fight this guy forever. And it's not just a matter of, you know, we've been trying, trust me. It's not just, uh, it's not the voters fault necessarily. There are a lot of other forces at play. So think about deleting this tweet. And I was like, Charles Booker tells me to delete the tweet. I'm going to delete the tweet. So I deleted the tweet. 
Uh, but then last night he won again, and I was and by a significant margin, I was like, "Go fuck yourselves, Kentucky! Yeah, die in I a did, hole." This was the the thing that was most uh, complicated and kind of unpleasant about the the bigger experience for me is like, you know, obviously, like I wanted Democratic candidates to win for the one reason that Democratic candidates have ever been able to give, you know, for winning, which is that they are not the Republican candidate, and yet it's still like. The same frustration that I felt when, you know, the Bernie campaign crashed and burned and and support consolidated behind Biden and all that, it's still there. Like, there's still this sense to me that you're not going to get a repudiation even of this, like, clownish, idiotic version of, and, you know, an ineffective, murderous version of, like, Trumpism. Right. If the only thing that you're willing to put up against it is, like, get a load of this guy. Like, can you believe how awful he is? Well, and- I, I actually didn't think that was necessarily a bad idea because, because Trump had a track record now that was so abysmal it seemed self-evident. The thing that actually bothered me about Democrats was it's really not – to me, it's not that their, their thing is that, oh, we're not – vote for us because we're not Republicans. It's Their thing is usually vote for us because – we also love Republicans too. Right. Like, we want to work together to make things some small amount better. Right. And I don't I don't think that people want things to be a small amount better. I think no, some no, people want things know. to be worse and some people want things to be much better. Yeah. So and I, th- so they're they're speaking to an audience that I think in point of fact barely exists. Yeah, they are. They're talking to the Lincoln Project and like three other people and that's and they're talking to people who usually have ulterior motives. Anyway, but, but then it's who, you, it's who you'd talk to if you were rich and you'd been in office for 40 years and you had basically no concerns about what like the next two decades would be like because you'll be fucking dead for them. Right. Yeah. You know, and that to me is like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you do with it. Like, I've been trying to sort of reason through a, a story for like going on a week now. And it's really fucking hard to write because I am very angry about it. But it's also like this sort of foreclosing of the imagination in terms of like what government could be or what the state could or should do for you. It just seems like both sides are are working with the same set of assumptions now. And they're all grounded in the idea that like it can't work. The state yeah. can't do anything good for you. It can't help you. And if you need that help, then you failed somehow. Yeah, and, I, th- I think and that's... only one side says that with, you know, like by putting their fucking back into it. The other one is kind of qualifying it. Yeah, I think that's right. My only problem is that I feel like I feel like I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place because I don't I don't think Bernie would have beaten Trump. Like, no, I don't think he would have either. I mean, I if you look at like how effective the idea of like tarring like literally Joe Biden as a socialist seems like it was in crucial areas, then like. <sighs> Doing that on the actual socialist, like, probably would have worked, too. Right. I, think, I still think Bernie might have won in 2016, but, like, yeah, this is not – it didn't feel like it. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go that far because he – you know, as as gross as I found the maneuvering against him back in March uh, to put Biden over the top, he really got his ass absolutely kicked by Biden in those primaries. Yeah. And, like, so it was self-evident to me. That was just not what people – Wanted and Bernie is one of the ones, along with other. There are other good senators and congressmen who have real substantive policy ideas, but you know he's you know sort of foremost among the you know is having very definitive. Okay, you know this needs to be like this. There needs to be Medicare for all and like all this good stuff, all the stuff I support, and it just 
fails on a national level. I mean, it's funny. I think the ideas are popular. I think it's the sort of thing, but this is like a classic Democrat problem. This was like one of the weird things that people were noticing last night too, that like yes. these reactionary, or not reactionary, but like very conservative states were passing like a $15 minimum wage, like legalizing marijuana, things that like, that Biden couldn't even bring himself to run on. Things that are like to the left of the mainstream Democratic Party. Yes, are yes. Like those are winning ideas. Yeah, it's when you put a person behind the ideas that it, I guess you can attack the person for being weird, but you can't attack the idea itself for being weird. Right. Does that make sense? I don't. It's, I think that's pretty much right. I just well, don't understand like how you square that particular circle. Like what, in terms of, I mean, I guess one way you do it would be to have better candidates who actually are capable of sort of speaking on those ideas. I think that Democrats just constitutionally to me don't, I think, like trust their stuff very much. And so yeah, I think that's right. They everything that they're doing is like kind of backing away from, you know, it's talking about what I wouldn't do. Like, I'm not going to do I'm not going to force a $15 minimum wage down your throat. I'm going to like look into like get some <laughs> fucking impanel a blue ribbon committee to look into marijuana legalization because they don't want to get stuck with the consequences of actually having done something. Yeah, that's my my thing is that they usually prize rhetoric over policy. And that was especially true during at least the latter portion of the Obama presidency, where it yeah. just, you know, it felt very good that he was president. He was a good guy and a good president, but he wasn't really get he wasn't really moving the expectations people had for what government can do and what it should allow into into a you know he wasn't really shifting it that much and we're still in the same sort of place that we were even before he was elected yeah which is really unfortunate because because you know if biden wins and as as of this recording he has not officially won no one's officially won and no one's officially won the senate either uh pending a potential runoff uh, of not just one race in georgia but possibly two um but if biden wins and Democrats win the Senate, or they tie the Senate because uh, uh, Kamala Harris would be the tiebreaker, essentially. So they'd essentially have control of the Senate. Then they could get rid of the filibuster, pack the courts, and do all the shit that they need to do to essentially destroy all the backroom machinations that Republicans have to keep their grip on power, even though people in general don't like them nationally. Like, yeah. it's not like the, the lie I was always told was that the country is. Mostly conservative. That was what I was told during like my my young adulthood and teenage years. And it's a lie. It's bullshit. I think it's conservative in the sense that it is like the institutions move very slowly and very grudgingly. And yes. so like well, that's true, but not the people. But the electorate is not conservative. I agree no. with you on that. That there's like there certainly are people I mean, especially because like Trump is not like to sort of fix his policies to the extent that they exist on right. this sort of right left spectrum is like completely missing the point. Like he's a guy you either like, or you don't like, he's a famous person. Yeah. And I, so, and so there's people that are susceptible to that. And then there's people that aren't, but they're not like going crazy over, you know, whatever the fucking tax cut that he passed in 2017 or whatever. Like no one remembers that fondly or hardly remembers it at all. It's just a question of like if he's the guy on the stories that you watch that you root for or don't. Yeah, so there are ways to actively, again, if the results uh, end with total Democratic control of both the legislative and executive branches of government, there is a way for them to uh, to flex their muscles 
and uh, and and make sure this fuckery doesn't happen again. And the thing that kills me right now, and again, my expectations are very, very low anyway, is that they won't do it because they're scared they would like piss off some Ohio suburban mom in 2022 or 2024. Right. Like it's always, it's always frantically being terrified of future results going against you. So you end up doing nothing instead. And they think about them in ways that I think reflect how much political consultants and like long tenured, like sort of these like superannuated Pelosi types yeah, like, yeah, tend to yeah. think about things where they're looking at it like, if we do this, then that happens. And then there's like some polling that supports it. And, you know, like all of it has this kind of like veneer of logic in it that like is just wholly absent in the way that politics actually happen. Right. It's ne There's never a human decision behind it. There's no, never I think people respond to power. I think people would like that. Yeah. The, like the only reason that Democrats ever seem to get like elected or allowed to take office now is when they like cringingly back into a win after the Republicans have crashed a fucking plane into the mountain. Yeah, like Republicans will wield their power. They wield it badly. And then Democrats say, well, they, you know, they wielded it badly. We'll be good about it, even for you, Billy Joe Jim Bob. And then they barely win. And then, you know, then then they don't flex their muscles at all. And yeah. then we're just we're just doomed to repeat the cycle. But you know, the one thing that would be funny to me, and I, I don't expect this to happen, but I think it would be delightful if it did, is that like, to get elected with Democratic policy positions, you have to be a very good communicator because the positions themselves are so wishy-washy and mild that they're not really a good sell. But if you are as talented as Bill Clinton was or Barack Obama was, you can win. Yes. And the idea of, like, so they, they felt like transformative candidates, but if you, like, actually read the words they were saying, it was very much not that case. It would yeah. be funny if Biden, who looks like this like elderly caretaker guy uh, who barely knows what's going on from one moment to the next anyway, like if that's where the change comes from, if they like if they're somehow it's all so inverted that like the guy that you like elect to restore normalcy is the guy that like finally turns the clock forward 20 years. That would be what would be cool, I, but I can't bank on it. But I, I have to tell you that. Like, really what I was hoping for last night was just to be rid of Trump Yep, for good. That was, like, really all I wanted. Like, I wanted the Senate to, and, you know, I wanted it to be a blowout and all that stuff. But really what I'm reduced to is I just want him gone and out of my fucking life. I know. Forever. It's such a It's such a weird thing to admit to because it feels so, like, just, like, corny and bourgeois and like just sort of like msnbce like that's how like my parents talk about it where they're like well he's just a terrible man and i, I can't wait for him to be gone yeah it's true and, and there's a part of it where it's like i'm still like i'm not a young person anymore but it's like when i hear my parents speaking in a certain tone of voice like there's still like a teenager gland in my brain that's like me, 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 right back to them you know like i just <laughs> I, I can't really like countenance it and yet like i also feel that way i'm just saying it in like a cool guy voice yeah, it's it's really all I want, and I just want to be, I just want to be done with him forever. He didn't die of the fucking Rona. He could have at yeah. least died of the goddamn Rona, but he survived it, which vexes me terribly. Yeah, I and mean so, whatever. This is just once he's retired, and we can go back to like just sort of reading his tweets about how good his golf courses are, or whatever, or like you know him like fucking live recapping like an access hollywood episode like fine terrific yeah 
Like I feel like I feel like if at least that happens, everyone will be able to exhale again. Like things will still be shitty, and there'll be tons of problems to solve, and the world will probably end in due course. But uh, like at least at least we'll have that. Yeah, that was going to happen anyway. I just want like I want there to be a culture that isn't him. You know, like it just feels like everything got replaced by Trump. Like yes. that's not a good deal for me. Like I want, I would rather watch movies than think about Donald Trump. I can't do that right now, right? Because they're not making movies. Yep. No, yeah. I I completely agree. I'm looking up, uh, looking up to see if if Matt Gates won because he's the Trumpiest of the. Yeah, I mean he's going to win, and he that did, whole district did is just like they gerrymandered it so that like everyone in his district is either like active duty Air Force or a retired police officer. <laughs> Florida, I, I, Florida, I've essentially given up on. I don't, I don't think I'll ever go to Florida again, and I don't think I'll ever interact with Florida again. But. I see. To me, like Florida, I think of as like a foreign country, and not just because I've never been there, but that's not like a slam on it necessarily. I just think it's like it seems clear that like the Democrats don't understand it. They have their like crew of national consultants that come in and like disastrously botch one election after another there by trying to like. I mean, the way that Democratic consultants do by like running in Florida as if it was like a Senate campaign in Ohio in 1992. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, I, I mean, I don't understand Florida. I would love, we should have like Luis on and or like Diana and have them just be like, you're talking for like 40 minutes, like fucking lay it on me. Like, what is the deal with this place? I mean, it's odd because it's, uh, you know, as swing states go, like it's, it's very annoying when like, you know, the swing state is some white ass state like Ohio, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, or, or Pennsylvania or, or Wisconsin. Oh my God, Wisconsin. I got, I got bang on Wisconsin to decide the fate of the nation. That's yeah. Annoying. Florida at the very least has some demographic, uh, diversity to it. There's more types of Floridians, I think, than there are, um, Ohioans. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of like maybe California, it's as much of a melting pot as you're going to find. Uh, you know, representative of what the ideal American melting pot will be. And it sucks. Yeah. It, that's absolutely. the other part. Of, that's the part about it that's, I think, kind of like hilarious. And maybe like what makes it our most American state is that like it's totally diverse. It's totally fucking doomed. <laughs> <laughs> like the number one industry that it has is like insurance fraud. Yeah, I've completely I've completely given up on it. And I wish I didn't have to, but that's just the way it is. Let's take a break and come back and open up the fun bag. We'll be right back. We're back. You know what? I didn't make a drink from the poison chalice before we get into the fun bag, Ross. Should I do I feel that? I've like been fucking chugging from it nonstop. But yeah, let's do it. What's what's one more? I was pretty good avoiding uh, bad tweets yesterday. If if yes, you know, if you if there was ever a day to do a bad tweet, it was going to be election day because people were so so you know pent up about the election itself that you know yeah. you probably could have gotten away with being canceled unless unless you were Keith Olbermann. Yep. Who, this is who, where you have to leave it to the professionals. I saw a lot of people trying to get really feisty takes off where they were like, Bring, bringing out the dead is the best Martin Scorsese movie. Don't at me. Like, they're just like completely going off the top. But like, yeah, this is this is what makes Olbermann different. Yeah. He's just, uh, he's got a special brain, very special mind, a, a marvelous mind. And he tweeted, yes, at real Donald Trump has always been, will always be, and on the day of his bid for re-election still is a whiny little... Kunta Kinte. 
So that was something he tweeted. Tell me a little bit about what you think he was even going for there. Because I have an idea in my mind, but it's a dumb idea. Uh, well, I'm with Tom Lay that he just wanted to say the word cunt and didn't yes. say the word cunt. And and he said, Kutikite instead, which is an unfathomably, like the worst possible replacement you could yeah. think of for it. Like you, like you wanted to say something dumb, and you somehow backed into making it racist because you were trying to like do a bit of business and add some value to it. Like you, just, ha- like how do you do that? Just, just astonishing. And so I was like, okay, well, he's probably gonna double down on it, and he absolutely did. He doubled down because <laughs> he's the best. Because that's yeah. Keith Olbermann every day. And he was like, he's like, well, it was like a reference from the seventies. I was like, I was like, listen, I know, I know. I know where the character comes from. I don't remember it being. I mean, like, yeah, don't be like pulling like, sentences from the Wikipedia page for Alex Haley's roots. Like that wasn't what you had in mind, dude. Yeah, yeah. What he was like, he's, he was like, I guess, I guess you guys are too young to really get it. And I was like, No, we get it. You're an idiot. Yeah, like you blew it. I, the thing with Olbermann too, and I know that this is not. He's been through like a million different pivots, and I, there's an image of him. I guess from like 2017 or something where he was kind of like making his triumphant return to getting upset about politics online. Right. Where there's, do you know the photo I'm talking about where he's like cowering beneath an American flag? Yes. Making like, it's kind of a purposeful face, but it's also kind of a like waiting for the bathroom at Starbucks urgently face. Yes. He was and, always, he was always the first, he's really the pioneer of Sir Twitter. Like, yes, absolutely. He's he, he is the, he was always reaching for those big moments because that's like he wanted to be like that type of newsman. Yeah, he. I mean, when I was at GQ, he did the resistance videos at GQ, and like you know, sort of like, and they were they were filmed as if like he was in like a shelter, like like a pirate radio station, like like <laughs> you know, you know, issuing emergency dispatches via telegraph and stuff. He's like this. Keith Olbermann, this is the resistance. And like, and now I have like 50 million reply guys on Twitter all doing that shit. And he's doing this and still somehow managing to be completely tone deaf all at the same time. It's really a perfect, really perfect Oberman moment. Yeah. That's one of those things where like, as much as like, it's easy to fucking stunt on like Q people and like Trump weirdos who just like live in this bizarre, like ad hoc homebrew soap opera where like he's their hero and they just like follow his adventures every day as like stupid as that is as like embarrassing as that is the resistance version of that where like you're some like a citizen soldier because like every time trump tweets you reply to him being like sir you're wrong like that is also very embarrassing yeah they they're all they're all imagining themselves uh as confronting mccarthy during the uh during the mccarthy you know, hearings yeah. and, and, you know, have you no decency, sir? Like they all just want to say that on a repeating loop over and over again and watch like good night, good luck 500 times a fucking year. Yeah. I mean, whatever. It's a good line, but you have to, it's kind of a, and then what happened sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Like, yeah, there's only so, words will only get you so far. That you got to hit someone in the face with a goddamn bat wrapped in barbed wire. That's, yeah, that's a good message to go into the fun bag on, I think. That's right. But hey, first, you have to have your guy of the week. Your guy of the oh, week good. this, this week, is nice. it's this Bobby Angram. Ooh, the thinking man's Curtis Conway. Yes, I like that's it. exactly <laughs> right. Bobby Angram, who was fantastic at Penn State, and then 
joined the Curtis Conway, Marty Booker uh, collection of Bears yeah. wideouts who were like, you know, like, and like Bernard Barry and guys who would get like exactly a thousand yards receiving every season. And the definition not, of fantasy ownable. Yes, not an inch more in yardage every season. Just like 67 catches, a thousand yards, four touchdowns, and like, like maybe one really exciting 27 yard catch a season. Like, just. Just yep. a really a good, like a seven or eight points in your fantasy league, depending on how the scoring works. <laughs> That's right. I have, but I have like super fond associations with guys like that. That's like the thing. I mean, this is like the secret of like remembering guys is like just have some stupid, mild gambling interest in it. And like you will think of Olandis Gary as like a close personal friend of yours for the rest of your days. Oh, yeah. If you talk to a certain, if you mention Sam Gatto. To anyone of a certain, <laughs> anyone over the age of like thirty five, like oh my god, I picked him up once. It was amazing. Yeah, it had like a big run with Sam Gatto, and they just remember. Which is, him. Bobby Engram doesn't inspire that feeling no. in anybody because it, there was never, as you said, there was never the game where it was like, yeah, like I had him for the Bobby Engram game, <laughs> like that Bobby Engram game where he had seventy catches or seventy yards receiving and a touchdown. Like, yeah, that's that's really what you got out of him. Sort of like that. Latter day Curtis Martin stat line, but for a wideout. Yep. Uh, whatever. We salute him. I'm going to uh, I'm going to spare you a mashup, mostly because I didn't think of one before we did Good. the podcast. Thank that you. Was I'm too- not in. I'm not at my best. I think it would be uh, could be a devastating blow. Uh, Kevin writes in. My new girlfriend's dad is a judge, and it got me thinking. What's the worst job for a significant other's parent to have? Judge is fine as long as I avoid breaking the law. But I gotta imagine teacher at your high school or local cop has to suck. Oh, cop is terrible. That's a fucking backbreaking thing. Yeah, cop is because like, yeah. even if he's like a decent guy or whatever, there's just like there's no good interaction with a cop in or out of uniform. Like at some point, like just the baseline is very low there. Yeah, it's true. Because anytime I talk to a cop, even if it's a cop I'm friendly with, it's like, well, he can legally shoot me anytime he pleases. Like, I'm right? So, like so this it. is like it's hard to have like a normal like chill conversation with somebody who has qualified immunity. Yeah, it's just that's not like in the cards uh, for Kevin's sake. I mean, we're assuming that it's like we're just assuming this is a boilerplate occupation person, because obviously, like if the judge is, say, like Brett Kavanaugh, then it's <laughs> that is a yeah. problem that your that your girlfriend's dad is a judge. But we're just going strictly, uh, you know, strictly based on the occupation itself. So I'm trying to think of something besides Michael Keaton as the vulture for the answer to this. <laughs> Yeah, and um, the um, can I just I, this is off topic, but you said uh, for Kevin's sake, and I just think that would be a really good name for a Kevin James sitcom if it hasn't been taken already. I think uh, I feel like it might have been. Oh, it was Kevin can wait. That was the name of this. Kevin, can that was the pun they used. <laughs> and I like Kevin James, but even I didn't watch that. I liked show. Uh, Terrence Malick's Days of Kevin. I thought that was really <laughs> lyrical. And uh, <laughs> so I'm trying to think of something outside of. Uh, that's a Kevin's thing. like security guard would be bad, but like, you know what also would be bad is like organized crime. Yeah, that would be bad too. I mean, that's sort of, yeah, it works in waste management. Like, right. You just don't, you don't want somebody who is violent and secretive. I think just in general, that's like a type of person to avoid. I think teacher at your high school would, you could manage that somehow. So it's not your teacher, but if it was principal, that would be bad. Yeah. Because you can have an interaction with a teacher where they might, like, get to know you a little bit, like, in a classroom setting, or at least know you as a student. Whereas, like, the whole purpose of a principal is to, like, 
It's basically a warden for yeah, kids. That's right. That's like, exactly that's not, it. Not what you want. Uh, hear me out on the uh, another one, uh, like psychiatrist or psychologist. Like, so I have uh, friends who have married the children of psychiatrists and psychologists, and it seems really bad. <laughs> like, so, and some of them are nice. You know, they'd be good people and stuff like that. But there's just like an intensity to like family gatherings and stuff like that. Like everybody just listening really intently and doing <laughs> cues when you're talking. Like right. I'd be stressed out. Yeah, I'd be like, it'd be like being around the, a mentalist. It'd be like, I don't want to like tip this dad off. In a way. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> oh, oh, Drew, it's interesting you said you were exciting to get away for the weekend alone with my daughter. What could that Tell me entail? more about that. Yeah, tell me more. How does that make you feel? Yeah. True. I like the idea of every uh, family gathering just being like, there's a brief moment of silence and then like they're her dad or her mom is like, we have to end. Yeah. You know what would be bad too is wedding planner. Like not, not because they would like be eager for you to get married. Like, cause I'm, you know, I, I got married young, so I don't, I can't do the whole, you know, Guys don't want to get married. They want to be free kind of bullshit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like like someone who's just very, very, like, hands-on with any sort of big event is going yeah. to be an annoying parent to have to deal with. Like, that's going right. to be an annoying in-law. Like, Getting bossed around uh, by an in-law or potential in-law is not uh, what you want necessarily. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm selling up my mom on this, but, like, like the kind of, like, the kind of in-law who will put, like, nameplates out at like a thanksgiving dinner table mm -hmm. like that's tough that's yeah. a tough one There's, man the exception for me was that like as a as a jewish person in the land of gentiles i actually really liked my late mother-in-law and especially with christmas stuff like they were really into it and i would just i was a sponge for it because i was like i really wanted to know more so it'd be like eggnog and i'd be like tell me is this like a gag like are you guys doing a bit with this <laughs> <laughs> like like, let, teach me your ways. And I, you know, that part, I appreciated the guidance. You know, it really is almost eggnog season. Like, I still hold out until after Thanksgiving, but my yeah, daughter, my daughter's like, I want to start watching Christmas movies right now, which I get because of what's going on in the universe. And she's also, she's been grounded for like a month for various reasons. So like, I can't, I can't blame her for wanting a bit of artificial lifetime happiness going on. Yeah. I've but, been like, this is, a, I'm kind of in the same boat with her. Like for the, the other podcasts I do about Hallmark movies, like I like doing the podcast because I like talking to my friend. I don't really enjoy watching Hallmark movies that much. No. This is the first time I've like kind of wanted to watch a Hallmark movie in like a year. I, I like listening to Christmas music. I just, I, my thing is that if I start doing it too early, I will burn out by the time actual Christmas comes around. So I yes. need to. I need to ration it. Uh, Barry writes in, is there some kind of war of attrition between big toilet paper and big toilet paper holder? The rolls keep getting bigger and the holders have either shrunk or remained the same size for my 40 years in this plant. I barely get the damn rolls to go on anymore. Something has to give, right? I mean, yes, I, I've had the problem. And I feel like this is like, I want to, I'm too tired to really totally land this. So just imagine that I'm getting this correct, that it's similar yes. to the way that like car dealers or car manufacturers don't make sedans anymore. That well, like you can only get suck. trucks or like a fucking like Optimus prime sized SUV. <laughs> yeah. They introduced a new Escalade and it's like 80 feet long and you need like yeah, a docks department. Uh, blog, uh, one of the, um, uh, Jalopnik guys wrote about it and it's like he had like his three-year-old stand in front of it and there's just there's no way that you could see a child no! through the windshield of it no horrible they're they're horrible cars they're asshole cars I, I hate them 
intensely. And they have a lot of like computer shit in them, but it seems like the main design, like the change every year when there's like a new one, they're basically like, we made it look, it's 20% meaner looking. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like, well, we, we emblazoned a, uh, a, a blue lives matter flag on both <laughs> right, sides like... of the car. Uh, yep. As for the TV holder, I live in a, a house that uh, is somewhat old. And so one of the toilet paper holders is installed in the wall. Yeah. So well, ours are as well. Yeah. So like you, like there isn't like you put the little, you put the little rod in on the spring and then, you know, it, 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 it's very naughty and it goes springing out of your hand and onto the floor and you have to do it all over again. But the toilet paper that we've gotten sometimes is too fat to fit in that like yeah. indentation. And so I'm like, I'm pulling and I get like, you, you pull on the teepee and then you get like one sheet is like the best outcome. Oh, you get yeah. like, you get like enough to like cover up a shaving nick. Yeah, some <laughs> fragments. Yes. Yeah, it's tough because you can't, it won't spin in, yeah. the, uh, in so, the holder. So I'm like, I'm like, jamming it underneath to like to like move the process along all while half a turd is sticking out of me and I'm like yeah it's not it's not dignified and it's, it's not a dignified process anyway right but so, like yeah you don't need like some additional indignity to it i just think in general i somehow the whole the whole setup has to be re-engineered because obviously the tp holders you would think they would also be made by the people who make the tp but they're not because if they're you know, if it's shit that's installed into a wall, then that's stuff from the home goods store or from or from a subcontractor or whatever. And there there's no harmony there between them. Yeah. There's no communication between them and like quilted northern executives. And I think the only problem. hope there is to go toward in the direction of like hype beast style crossovers. You know, like the Travis Scott meal at McDonald's. Right. But like do one that's like a crossover right, between like quilted northern and like, I don't know, like uh, a home builder. It's going to have to like come to a point where we abandon toilet paper and start using like really nice chamois instead. And there's like a chamois <laughs> basin. I would like to know more about whether the bidet movement that seemed like it was catching on early in quarantine, like has that ebbed? I, or is like, is that secretly proceeding apace? For like t- over 10 years, I've gotten bidet like emails from... Fun bag readers being like, you got to try a bidet, bro. And I'm like, I guess I could give it a shot, but I'm too lazy. And, you know, yeah, you if you to, had asked me 20 like years installation ago. involved. Yeah. If you had asked me 20 years ago, I'd be like, that's for the French and the French are pussies. But like now I'm just like, okay, I just, well, I have to buy it. And then I have to like work out like how I water my asshole. And then like, right. do I, I, do I still wipe afterward? Like, but the, then the toilet paper's wet. How does it all work? And I'm not. I'm not curious enough to go yeah, much farther. To ask, if you have to like go on a subreddit to make <laughs> the thing work for you. <laughs> Vlad writes in, can a quarterback be a guy? Or is the quarterback position too essential to the game of football to achieve the mixture of me- mediocrity and semi-obscurity to make an athlete a guy? It seems wrong to call Christian Ponder or Blake Bortles a guy since they're seen as organizational failures in a way that a middling running back or receiver isn't. Is Jeff George a guy? Yes, absolutely yes. To me. I mean, do you disagree with that? Uh, no, I don't disagree with you. Uh, both Billy Joes, Tolliver, and Hobart are guys. Absolutely. And- like, canonic guys. Like, yes. Yeah. There definitely are... I think I, I get the distinction, and I think it makes sense that, like, there's dudes where, like... Jeff George was, like, the first pick of the draft, right? You know? Yes. Yeah. And so, like he should have been better. Like Andre Ware should have been better or whatever. But like, there's still guys to me in the sense that they're like mostly people with like 
aggressively 90s personal styles that I remember from football cards that I owned. Yeah, which I is, mean, that's I, guy to me. Like, that's I right mean, there. I, like, Jeff George was the number one pick during one of my formative years. So I think of him as Jeff George, like, sort of. And, and it's the way, same way I think of Ryan Leaf as, like, you know, Ryan Leaf, like a, a catastrophic historic failure and then a redemption story but then he also got arrested again like a week ago or something like that yeah so so it's hard for me to think of those guys as guys but like like the ben denucci's of the world those guys are guys yeah like they're definitely guys man like so like, if there's not you know like i get why he's saying about christian ponder who i i think counts as a guy or blake bortles who i don't think counts as a guy like if you're like high profile enough uh that you're not sort of an unexpected person who happens to be playing sports while you're watching them. Uh, yeah. Then I think you qualify for guy status no matter what position. I think Bortles has had a, such a guy's career that he kind of has like backed into guy status. He really but That's has. like the distinction that I make between like guys and dudes at that <laughs> level. That there's only like ever a couple of dudes playing quarterback in the NFL. Like people that are good enough to qualify for that. Yeah. I don't I mean, know where that cutoff is. It's like yeah. somewhere north of, of Ryan Fitzpatrick and south of like... At Cam Newton. Hard for a guy to become a dude, but dudes sometimes become guys all yeah. the time. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Brandon Nix is a producer and engineer. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. And our theme song was composed and written and played by the immortal Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is that you listen Go subscribe to Defector.com while you're at it, too. And also, thank you for voting. You guys voted yeah. almost certainly because we told you to and for no other reason. So. Yeah. You shouldn't listen to celebs unless it's me and Drew, your favorite celebs. All right. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week. Bye, Roth. Bye. Bye.